hey, hey, everyone, and welcome back to Drinking During Business Hours. We're already laughing. Hey, what's going on? Rich Chasler? Hey, 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 welcome back to Drinking During Business Hours. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. hey, hey. How you doing? Oh, it's nice to see you, sweetie. It's nice to see you, too. We did so wake up together. And drove here together. And worked last night. We were on Sirius last night. We're, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We were on John Fiegel's saying Sirius XM show. Mm-hmm. John, who, of course, was a guest on our show. Yes. We so he had to bring us on out of obligation. The irreverent John Fuglesang. He's an amazing comedian and talk show host. Host, uh, writer, Tell me everything. What a lot of people don't know is John is actually a great actor. Yeah, I believe He that. went to college and majored in the theater. He kind of, yeah, strikes me as someone who, like, whatever he does, it's great. You yeah. know, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, we had a really good time. And what are we drinking? Today we're drinking... Now, this is actually pretty exciting because I love Napa Whites. Not so much the big shards that they make, but this is a Rutherford Hill AJJ collection, Sauvignon Blanc from Napa. AJ. What is it? Yeah, it says AJJ on the label. AJJ. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, AJJ. Good work on we're the gonna, line. We're going to try. Yeah, we're going to try a little sub blonde. Yeah, it's Napasov 2022. Rutherford Hill is great. Yeah. Everything that they produce out of that, like it's impossible. Such to a great area. Anything yes. haphazard from Rutherford Hill. And the thing I like about Napasov Blanc, Unlike those uh, New Zealand Sauv Blancs that yes. are so popular, is that mm-hmm. they're a lot more earthy, yeah, and more barnyardy, and a little more like a Sancerre than you know that big tropical. Yes, and I like stuff. them both d- depending on the occasion. But this you is know, really nice wine. So. This is great. And shout out to Rutherford Hill. Yeah, thank you very much, yes. Rutherford Hills Sauvignon Blanc, drinking beautifully. And speaking of beautiful. We have the loveliest, most talented guest on the show today. Um, we have writer, actor, comedian. Uh, she also has the number one comedy album on iTunes. Yes, she does. Comic Sutra. Ladies and gentlemen, drum roll. Look over to Percy. Oh, wow. That was a big intro. Yeah. Thank you. Hi. You nailed me with the sweet old blocks. Thanks for joining. Yeah, we got a little sad blanc action. I love it. I like you described it as barnyard. And I was like, eh, that's me. <laughs> that that <laughs> refers to like, you know, you know, a little hay and a little a little less kiwi. A little more. And a little hay. more hay. I'll take it. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. So folder clothes. Fold the clicker. I only had two sips. <laughs> Sorry, my words. Full disclosure: you are one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I do. I love. And I, you know, I, I honestly, I don't know how we met, but we met in. I remember. We met at Flappers Comedy Club. Okay. I, uh, you were on a show that I was hosting, and then you asked me to host one of your Oyster House yeah. shows that you do, and then Our I did. Show. A bunch of those. And then we just became friends. I, I remember that night I met you, actually. I came home and I told my husband, I was like, I'm going to be friends with her. I'm going to be friends with that girl. I was like, I just decided. I was like, no, we're going to be friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of yeah. had no choice in it the was, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, just kind of natural. Very yeah. natural, organic Yes, friendship. I naturally forced You're that right. friendship. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be friends with that girl. I like her. <laughs> And so, so let's go back to, because I think that a lot of um, comedians and bookers in Los Angeles 
maybe not know your full story and just how long you've been doing comedy and who the and fuck acting. and who the fuck you are in Canada. Yeah. Which is, you know, a big deal. And I know you're not gonna toot your horn. I'll tune it I'll tune it and toot it. Um <laughs> you'll toot it and get it. But you know, like mm-hmm. you it's it's really fascinating your journey oh thanks um it, it never seems fascinating when you're the one on the journey you're just like is this fucking journey still going i'm telling you oh can we pull God. over please and let me yeah. off the bus i know i, was like, I, I know. have to pee a lunch this stop a or long something journey um I, yeah i guess I, i've just kind of been doing this my whole life really um i started when i was a kid on a Canadian TV show called Degrassi High. Every Canadian and, uh, actor started yeah. on Degrassi yeah. High. Yeah. High. And yeah. a lot of people know it here. It's like our law and order. It's your rite of passage acting yes, job. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's step one. Um, but there were three, actually, no, there were like a million incarnations of that show. That's why. There was Kids of Degrassi Street, which was the first one. Then Degrassi Junior High. That's really when it became popular. Then it was Degrassi High because the kids kept getting older. Right. <laughs> so it was going to be like Degrassi well, Retirement Home. And, <laughs> and Degrassi High is actually the show that we got. Yeah. In the I think you finally we got didn't it. We did get Degrassi didn't get Nursery junior? School. We no. didn't get Degrassi Elementary. Did we didn't get Degrassi Junior. Have or maybe you didn't know about it. I don't. It was in like 127 countries. Right. It was insane. It was a big. It was like R nine hundred two one zero, but gritty. Right. Like here, it was very like polished and pretty, and like oh no, someone didn't get asked to prom, but ours was like oh no, you got AIDS again. Like it was like <laughs> it was like, and you're pregnant, and your house burnt down. Like it was like the worst school to go to. Everything horrible happened. <laughs> At Degrassi. Wow, sounds like Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah teen edition. That's right. what it was. Yeah, so that was a, a long time of being on a show. Wondering, um, I was only on the last two years. I was only okay. on Degrassi High. Uh, I was 12 and 13, so I was very um, impressed with myself because I wasn't even in high school yet, but I was playing 10th grade or grade Ooh. 10, as we say in Canada, but I was really only in 8th grade, so oh. I was like, okay. Oh. It is all. I was the youngest person on the show. I was twelve. My best friend. When I was thirteen, my best friend was sixteen, which isn't doesn't sound a lot now, but at that time, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Probably already. We're going to keg parties, smoking, you know, just doing things you shouldn't be doing at thirteen. Everything we were doing at thirteen. Yeah, yeah, I did it. I got into my system early. Why are you doing it? That is true. That is true. I smoked my first cigarette in utero. Oh. It's hard to do a cake stand at six. That's impressive. <laughs> impressive. You just can't pump it. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Else got to pump the that's right. For you. Now, yeah. Did your parents um, like? Did you want to be an actor? Did you I, realize what was happening? I did. I was a dancer when I was a kid. My mom was a dancer. And my dad was a musician. So it wasn't a huge stretch for me to be in the arts. In um, Canada. Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Okay. So you were born in Toronto. Born and raised downtown Toronto. And and to be honest, I auditioned for Degrassi three years in a row before I actually got it. Every year I got a letter from them saying, should a younger part arise, we will keep you in mind because I was just too young. And then finally, I looked older than I was. And still wow. do. <laughs> so, I feel bad. I feel but, bad for the people who did Degrassi Junior College. Junior. <laughs> well, no, don't feel bad for them because they're that's it came back as a Degrassi the next generation, and that's when Drake was on and like all those people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, they have a 
I'll apply. No, but that's so. So you were in acting school. Like, how did you grow the chops? Um, no, not yet. When I was twelve, I wasn't. When I was thirteen, I did. I went to a performing arts high school, kind of Tobacco School of the Arts, for five years, and uh, and majored in drama and minored in dance there. So. By the time I got there, I had already been on a TV show, and I was like, I got this. So you're <laughs> <laughs> pretty famous at that point. Uh, no. So here's the thing. In Canada, <laughs> there's no star system in Canada, really, A. And B, in all fairness, in, in full disclosure, I did get myself written off the show. <laughs> I did that once. I, I was on the show for two years and basically walked the halls for most. I got paid a lot of money to just walk halls. And they were like, don't fucking give Renee a line anymore. Um, <laughs> I was a bit. I learned a lot of lessons from that show that have carried over for the rest of my life. And honestly, is probably why I got into comedy. So when I got on that show, as I said, I was the youngest person on that show. And it was, you know, when you're 12 and 13 and you're hanging out with 16 and 17 year olds, it is so important to fit in and feel cool and be a part of something. And you're walking into a show that's been on for years and they all know each other. And yes. so I, I so desperately, oh gosh, <laughs> coming apart. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to fit in. <laughs> Tonight's show is Nisa 17. Please oh your children from the room before I was listening like, to that. I'm very <laughs> Ready for my clothes. So, yeah, and now there's no secret as to how I got the part. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, they cast me in a part that was so not what I wanted to be. And Degrassi was not known for their style, the way they styled the kids. Mm. And they wanted me to wear a men's fedora and glasses. And when you're a kid and you don't wear glasses, having to wear glasses That's was like fine. the worst thing I could have thought of. Like, yeah. worse than braces, just glasses. Right. And I was a little B-girl, you know, I would like cut my jeans and like make them wider than they were. And like, I wanted to be like hip. And then they put me in this hat and glasses and these tight clothes. And I didn't wear tight clothes. I wore, I was a big B-girl, da da da. And I hated everything about me what I was wearing and I was just mortified so the second they would call cut I would take the glasses off every time Mm -hmm. I would never wear them they were always like the second they'd say action I'd put them on I would not want to be seen in these glasses and so I kept leaving them um, in holding I would forget them everywhere they constantly had to have a runner getting Renee's glasses which was annoying to them I lost a bunch of them. I broke one finally, and I swear on my life this was an accident, but they had gotten me so many pairs of glasses because I'd lost so many that the final pair I had, they were way too big for my face. And I was walking, and I looked down, and they fell off, and I kept walking, and I stepped on it in a scene. Whoops. And they thought I did it on purpose, and I, I swear on my life I didn't, but they were just so... And I saw their faces in that moment. They were like, you don't have to wear the glasses. And I was like, yes, I won. And then, you're fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I no longer had to wear the glasses. I thought I won. I had the best time and could wear. And they're like, and you can wear whatever you want. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the best day of my life. And then realized much later that it was the biggest mistake I'd made. But I learned so much wow. from it. So that was the last episode that you were in? or did they I was still do- in every episode. The thing is, they had like... Actors that were part, once you got cast, you were in their rep company. 
And then there were background actors. But I was in the rep company getting paid as a rep company actor, but I basically just walked the halls for the rest of the year. Oh. And uh, and I loved it. I was like, great, I get paid. I don't have to do anything. I eat cookies all day. I just flirt with a boy. I had a gay old time. Exactly. I ate so many cookies. I just... I had a great time. Back then, we could. We could eat all the cookies I wanted. All the cookies I wanted. Now, I just, I ate an insane amount of cookies. And, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but I think because of that, later on, I learned the lesson. And since then, I think I've played every character that has been ugly, gross, funny. As long now, as long as it's funny, I don't care how I look. Yeah. And stand up. You know, we are no longer a kid. But yeah, but it's hard being a kid. Yeah, took a bit to learn that lesson. It always it always kind of mystifies me, you know, like when because uh, I started as an actor mm-hmm. when I was six and a half years old. Oh, I was, started playing drums at the same age, and I always knew I wanted to be an actor. I fell into stand up accidentally, but it always mystifies me when you're working on something, whether mm-hmm. it's a play or a TV show or a movie, and there's adult actors who are like, "Oh no, I'm not going to do that." That's just yes. going to make me look foolish. Right, you know? right, right. You know what I mean? It's like they're actually picky. Yeah. Thin-skinned yeah. adult yeah. artists. Yeah. You know, I, I never understood no, that. You, we're just not permitted to be picky. What about the people who would leave a soap career? Oh. As they thought, and, and then, like, nothing would happen. Yeah, right. And like, oh, I feel for them. But you should be so grateful for any, well, I shouldn't, I don't want to be judgy. Like, you should be. But I, personally, am so grateful for any iota of a, anything. No, yeah. believe me. I, I, got my, I got myself fired from a potential soap career. Oh, I, oh yes, I did. Before it started? We had just started, and I got myself just fired. Hmm. But you were also very young. I was very young. Really? I was a kid. I was a kid. kid. Yeah. So kind of a similar. I was like 19, and I had no guidance, no rep. I had a manager who was my acting teacher who didn't Hmm. really take care of me, and I got this part on an NBC soap opera called Santa Barbara, Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be one line one day, and it turned into more lines and more days. And I was seeing people like how they were acting on the set, you know, guys like the soap stars. Robin yeah. Wright Penn, yeah, right, you right. know, and Rory Calhoun and A. Martinez and all these actors. And I see what they're doing. So I thought, oh, that's how you behave on the set. Right. When you're at that level. Yeah. 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 That level. yeah. Yeah. And we did a scene and, you know, on a soap opera, the director is not anywhere within your parade. He's mm-hmm. up in the booth, mm-hmm. off the stage, and you talk to him through the camera. And I saw all these people doing that. And we did like a scene that was thoroughly incidental to the storyline. It had nothing to do with anything. And we did the scene and I looked right into the camera and I was like, uh, Bob, do you think we could do that scene again? I that's the flavor in there that I got to rehearsal, but I just didn't don't feel like I really hit the beat right. Oh, boy. Yeah, and you were not on the call sheet the next day. No, I was not. Wow. Fired. But at least yeah. that that wasn't like a super bratty thing to do. You just wanted your work to be better as opposed to me like yeah, storming but... off the set. I can't work under these conditions. I, I, I learned that when you're a day player, the most important yeah. piece of equipment oh, you yeah. could bring with you is a roll of duct tape. Right. And you put it over your mouth <laughs> all day yeah. until your scene comes, take it off, do your scene, put take it back on again, and shut up. And get the fuck out. <laughs> okay, so after Degrazzi High, yeah. wait, 
would happen. Well, it's fun. My first time ever doing stand up was because of Degrassi. So I learned a lot of lessons um, because of this one experience. Um, In between the seasons, they would have these things called workshops where they would give us acting lessons and stuff because a lot of them were not actual, we weren't trained at that point. And they would have a talent show at the end. So in front of all of the cast and writers and producers and directors and everybody, so that they had an idea of maybe hidden talents or things that they could write to uh, write to the actors. Right. Okay. Supportive. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was very cool. So that, that, that's how they found out Drake could rap, you know what I mean? Or things oh, like that. So okay. they could write things in. So all the girls did like lip syncs and gymnastics and whatever. And for some reason, uh, in my 13, 12, 13 year old brain, I was like, I'm going to do stand up comedy. And I had never. Where did you see it? Like, how did you? I love stand up as a kid. I knew it as a kid. Oh, I listened to Stephen Wright and, um, Mm. well, the the now canceled Bill Cosby. But as a kid, I just remember lying on the floor with these big '70s headphones. Not that I was born in the '70s, but my parents still had them. And just listening to records, <laughs> I mean CDs, I mean whatever it was serious, and uh, <laughs> and just you're two real tapes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and just loving stand up. So for some reason, I was like, I could do that. I'd never done it before, and uh, it was the night before, and I had nothing, and I was so nervous to do this in front of everybody. And I remember sitting at my kitchen table with my dad at midnight. And just my dad helping me write jokes. And we just sat there all night writing jokes. And uh, and the next day, I remember being backstage. It wasn't really a stage. Right. But I remember trying, considering br- trying to break my arm in the door. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, if I slam it hard enough, I bet I could break it and they wouldn't make <laughs> me go on. <laughs> I was that. I, I still think it was one of the most nervous i've uh, the most nervous i've ever been right and uh and then i went out there i did it i had so much fun i crushed it was the first the first laugh i got i was like oh i like this yeah that's euphoric and nobody had expected it from me and it just was it was great and then i didn't do it again for another decade but (laughs) i got the bug from that mug and it was always in your you know i was like that was amazing i will never do that again and that was amazing it was so scary you know i wanted to break my arm just last night i wanted to break your arm last night just kidding getting into a domestic here um that's great i should i i know how to pick them (laughs) (laughs) but but you know it's i think do you still get butterflies yeah yeah Oh, yeah. There's I mean, lots of shows I still get, like, I'm going to Well, you know, and we've talked yeah. about this before. You're on shows that currently that have a lot of high stakes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so I would imagine you kind of think about that moment of putting your heart in it. Yeah. I, you, know? I, you get used to it uh, in one way. Like, party, just like the professional in you is like, oh, this is what I do and this is my job. And you just go out and do it. But inside, yeah, there's still that little Canadian girl inside being like, holy Look, how am I on a show with like a luminaries? Yeah, the biggest names, the biggest names comedy. in the world of stand up comedy, my idols. So, and, and and always, you are always in these lineups for for as long as I've known you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do some not great ones too, but lately I have, but it's because I'm hosting, you know, I get to host, but that's and that's the one part they can give. 
to a non-famous person. But, <laughs> but you are one of the best hosts in the world. Oh, you have great energy on stage. You know, that's no, the thing. You, are you, you, have, yeah, right up there. you have excellent energy on stage. Thank so you. I can see how you would be a great host. And Just, your crowd work is evolving. Yeah, thanks. It's hard to do that in such a short amount of time when you've got 10, 12 minutes off the top. But I, mm. I try to throw in a bit of it every time now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm very lucky. A, yes, I've gotten better at it, but I also think it's just a matter of where we live. You know what I mean? Like, I would be the same comedian I am in Canada, but I wouldn't have the opportunity. It's just that these are the people that live here. Right. So these are the people I get to work with, you know? So after you did stand up in Canada yeah. and kind of like tapped it for a for a decade, yeah. What were you doing? I was acting. I was okay. I was an actor. Yeah, you were, you were getting roles. Um, I well, I went to a performing arts high school for five years, and you weren't allowed to audition while you were there, which is so ridiculous. Now that's that's standard, I think. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But then you come out, and then even on IMDb, I don't even know if Degrassi is on because they were like. You didn't work for five years. They like they don't believe me because there was such a gap. Oh no, there's even more of a gap because then I went to university and did a four year honor specialist degree in theater. Right, so that so there's a nine ten year gap where I have no credits, and they're like, yeah, right. Um, so well, that happens for every actor. Wouldn't yeah, it? We're gonna hear so, but nuts. a decade. But I was like, I was twelve. It goes from t- like thirteen right. to twenty three. You know. So, yeah, I I was training that whole time. Then I was actually becoming an actor, even though, yeah, I already had a credit, I guess, but I didn't know what I was doing then. So, but that's really, um, you know, that's, that's, that's an interesting trajectory, like, because you, like, that came first. Like, you had, like, this snippet of, yeah. you know, even though you say it's not fame, but, I mean, in the U.S., that show's considered fame. Right. And so, what, when did you decide to make the move to the U.S.? Oh, that was much later. That was in my like, 30s. I mean, I wanted to do it forever. Um, but um, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by it. I know. <laughs> Nobody can hear it, though. Occasionally we hear it. We're, uh, we, we recorded these studios that, well, they're podcast studios, but they're also musicians. Yeah, some of us just were rocking out. Really hard to yeah i always say someone needs to turn down their if you want to hear a lot of music that will never make it in the music industry (laughs) you should come hang out here hear it here first here here and only here (laughs) Um, yeah it's exactly right uh yeah no i always wanted to move here but as a canadian it's very hard you can't just pick up and move to the u.s you have to get a green card and you know and prove that you're an alien of extraordinary ability and not gather all this anyway lawyers and yeah. da, 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 da. I, you know you're i mean you you have this wikipedia and it's pretty long i mean you've done you've you've yeah. accomplished a lot i had a good Boy, career in canada yes i mean yes. i gave it all <laughs> to start all over and did a career in it canada did. working as an actress yes yeah and a, and a writer and, and a yeah. shit ton of commercials so yeah forky and cute it was a queen i commercial there, yeah. I love when you, yeah, uh, when you upload your commercial work to your reel. Oh yeah, I've there. seen a lot of it. A lot of stuff. I've done a lot of commercial. I don't know how many, close to a hundred, maybe. Yeah, yeah. between well, the, the two of you, between the U.S. and the and Canada. Yeah, I did a lot of commercials in Canada, which was great, and I was on a lot of TV shows. Pardon? Stand-ups are great. Yeah, they are. The yeah, they are. I've only, you know, I booked a lot of voiceover work. Oh yeah, a lot of voiceover. Yeah. 
I've only done one on-camera commercial my entire wow. career. I've been put on hold a thousand times, put on avails a thousand times. I've only yeah. done one on-camera commercial. I didn't get my SAG card from doing a commercial. Wow. I got it from doing a movie. Yeah. And all my agents and all my agents have always said the same thing. They go, you're so East Coast Mm. that nobody's going to trust you (laughs) to buy the product that you're pitching. Right. You know what I mean? Like, who's going to buy yogurt from you? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, yo, what's the matter? You don't like the old play? (laughs) (laughs) Don't be an asshole. Buy the yogurt. Exactly. Yeah. Just threaten people. No, I've always been envious of the actors who book all those commercial stuff, you know, and I always wanted to be a guy who could book commercials. But it was good for a while. But that I mean, that industry's dead now. It's gone. 90 percent of commercials are non-union now. So yeah, bullshit. It is what it is. And here I can't speak for Canada, but here a lot of that really started after the commercial, the great commercial strike Mm -hmm. of 2000. Were you living here in 2000? No, 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 no. Oh, no, that was six months on the picket line. Yeah. And then they started hiring non-union talent and they started seeing people's, uh, they started seeing the sales falling. Off. Yeah. So they finally wound up settling with the Screen Actors Guild. But after that, it never really came back the way it was before 2000. Yeah, it's such a shame. It's, yeah, I used to make a very good look out. <laughs> so when did the resurgence of stand-up begin? Yeah. I the U.S.? No, gosh, way back in Canada. Again, I, I got got out of um, school. I was touring like a children's theater show. Right out of school, I, I, I toured this Shakespeare. Pro- I thought it was going to be an actor, and I was going to go to Stratford, and I was like a dramatic actor. Yeah. But I always did the comedic roles, like even in... Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. I played Sir Andrew Agarcheek. It was what like, a great role. Yeah, I mean, I love Twelfth Night. I, I think it's hilarious anyway. But I loved it too. And all the women wanted to play, you know, all, all the girl roles. And I was, I played Sir Andrew, and I wore size forty two pants and these suspenders, and I slicked my hair back every night. And like all the girls got flowers backstage after, and I just wanted to get the laughs on stage. I didn't care. And so we got to do a 10-stop tour around Europe. So I did that. And I still thought I was going to be an actor. But then I'm like, wait a minute. I only want to do the funny parts. Um, so I was living. I had a roommate at the time who was doing stand-up. And I, I was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe. And <laughs> this is a, this is maybe not an interesting story. I got dare. I A friend of mine and I went to a, a theater night, like a cabaret kind of night. And they had a sign-up for the next month. And she dared me to do stand-up. And I dared her to do a clip from her one-woman show. And I saw the date, and I was like, I'm going to be on tour then anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> doing this children's theater show. So I was like, I'm going to screw her. We're signing up. I'm going to make her sign up. And I'm not even going to be in town. And so I signed up to do 10 minutes of stand-up. And wow. she was going to do 10 minutes of her thing. And I forgot about it because I was like, I'm not going to be here. And then the night before, they called and said, hey, calling from the factory theater, just calling to confirm you're doing 10 minutes of stand-up tomorrow night. And I was like, what? So once again, under pressure, night before, crying, freaking out, just doing all my things. And they said, by the way, we don't have a microphone. Is that okay? And I was like, I can't do it without a microphone. I'd never done stand-up once. And I was like, I don't know. That's impossible. So I went to my friend's house before, and uh, her sister had kids. 
And they had this like little kid's megaphone. And I was like, what am I going to use for a microphone? I just grab it. I'm like, am I going to use this? I'm just going to go up. Hey, anybody here from Undertale? And she started <laughs> laughing. And you could change the voices on it. And she was dying. And I was like, I'm going to bring it. And so I used it. And I used that damn megaphone. It's in my very first special that I did 20 years ago. Awesome. I start with this little kid's megaphone. Um, so it just became part of my act. It was a crutch. Uh, That's weird how that happens, isn't it? Yeah. That's we all yeah. we've all had one of those. I had a cape. Oh, you had a cape. I didn't know this. Oh yeah. Sneakers. And my name was Carly with a heart over the eye. What? I didn't know this. Oh my god. We should bring back. This isn't about me. This isn't about me. I want to know everything about this. That's hilarious. But no, we, uh, you know, very Steve Martin. Well, of course, Steve Martin. Though, yeah, that like that ended up being Steve Martin. He was successful with right. it. As I, and I, you had a cape. You what? Okay, cape, megaphone. What did you have? I had a uh, a blazer, like a, a like a you know a suit, a jacket, but it was black and white, speckled Ooh. knit. So I would walk <laughs> up on stage and I would say, "I know what you're thinking," and I would turn around mm -hmm. and I would say, "TV at 3 a.m." Back when the channels would go off and it would just be the fuzz on the TV. This was back in the 1880s. And, uh, you said you would have a panic attack when you didn't have the jacket. I would flip oh, because I didn't have my opening line. What am I going to do? Oh, my God. I can't go on stage. I need a jacket. I need the jacket. Imagine that. Steal my megaphone just before I went on stage. They all hit it on me. And he was like, it's a crutch. And I was like, yeah, it's a book. Yeah, it is. Yes, it uh, is. And now I can't walk. Yes, it is. Wow. And so after that, I was like, yeah, I guess I should try it without. But yeah, I bought because I was like, I don't, I don't want my opening. No, I had that comic, yeah. you and I, and we're not going to say any names, a comic that relies on the guitar. Oh. <laughs> and he did Rich's show at Genghis. I'm probably saying too much. Anyway, there's a lot of guys. You know, the guitar thing, I, I give a pass on. Because yeah. I don't see them relying on the guitar. The guitar is an integral part yes, of right. what they they're do. doing. It's like, what are you doing? No, you know, they... but they're still a guitar act. Yeah, right? yeah. They might as well fucking right. juggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I mean, nobody wants to follow a guitar act. No. Like, no one wants to follow. No. Yes. No one wants to follow music. Yes. It's really hard. Have it's you awful. ever done a, like, a music event where they had a comedian open for oh. it? Yes. Oh, or yeah. horrific. Yeah. Horrific. At least if you're opening, they haven't had the music yet. It's following it. That's really That's hard. difficult too. But yeah. I found that when I do music events, even then they're still they just all right, come on, let's go. Yeah, give me give me give me the band. band. I did a battle of bands once where I had to go on in between each band. Oh gosh. That yeah. was literally and it was just the worst experience we of the bar the other night. Which uh, in between go go like go go dancers and this rock musical that they would do, <laughs> have me do five minutes in between. Oh boy! And the first five minutes, people were like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like I just saw people in thongs dancing, and now you're gonna. I'm like, I got my mouth full to make some jokes. Come on! No one's like got into it. Actually, it was really fun. I don't know. I I love that you are performing every night. I try to. I you, didn't perform the last couple nights, and I lost my mind. <laughs> it's not. Oh, you've got to have not balance, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's let's get there. Okay. So so yeah. you're now you found stand up in Canada. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you got like a nice little chugga chugga going. Yep. He's doing great there. Yep. It was happening, and then uh, 
yeah. And then I started writing for TV shows. I was mm-hmm. on a couple TV shows. I was on a sketch comedy show there for a few years. It was like our mad TV, I guess. Right. It looked like and earned, uh, like theaters, too, that you were doing. Um, with the stand-up? Yes. Maybe not some. No, the clubs. I was doing club. I was touring. Were you a yuck yuck? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I was a yucks kid for sure. Still am, I guess. Uh-huh. Still do it when I go back home. And then, uh, and then I moved here. And uh, by by the time I left Canada, I wasn't really doing stand-up much anymore. I was writing on TV shows. I was on a TV show. I was like. You want me to drive how far for seventy five dollars? I was right. like, I was like, I make thirty grand an episode <laughs> writing this TV show. <laughs> um, what what shows were you writing? Um, I was writing on a show called Men with Brooms right before I left, which was about curling. Couldn't be more Canadian. Whoa. It was a Paul Gross movie that was very popular in Canada, and then it turned into a TV show. So I was writing on that. I was writing on, we had another sketch comedy show called Air Farce, instead of Air Force, which was like a <laughs> political comedy show. So I was writing on that for a few years. And then I was writing and performing on this show called Comedy Inc., which was like the Man TV type sketch show. Um, so, yeah, I was doing all that. I was like, man, if I had this career in America, <laughs> I would be famous. You know, in Canada, <laughs> I'm just like nothing you know you're like i'm very middle class and you know i was like but if i were in america in america if i could do it here i can do it there i'm gonna be a bazillionaire and i came here and you gotta start all over again and uh, still haven't gotten there yet you know working what What is this what yeah i was about to ask what year was that i moved here at the very end of 2010 beginning of 20 I, i literally landed and i checked my phone and i booked something back home which is how it happened so i had to go back home and then, so basically, beginning of 2011, I moved here. Oh, so yeah. you have not been here long. Well, it feels longer than it should be. 12 years. For how long? Yeah, I should be famous. <laughs> we all should. <laughs> but I quit stand-up. I didn't do stand-up when I moved here. I just started stand-up again six, seven years ago. Yes, yes. So yeah. why did you quit stand-up? Because I moved here. I, I was barely doing it at home when I left. And then I moved here. I tried to start doing stand-up, and I just didn't get it here i was like you have to line up to get a ticket for a lottery that you mm-hmm. might get three minutes on a month like it mm-hmm. just was like i paid my dues i've done all this i can't start all over again oh, I, can't, I didn't even know what three minutes was i've never done three minutes in my i was used to doing 25 30 minutes you know yes. i've never done three minutes in my life i was like this is fucking bullshit oh. and uh and so I had man- very good agents and managers, and I've kind of gone down since then. But they were like, <laughs> no, I started off really good. Oh, and, then, know. and then I had to do it all over and do it myself. Um, but they were like, look, you can't start over as an actor, a writer, and a comedian. Let's just focus on the acting. We'll get you famous, and then you can do whatever you want. I was like, that sounds fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> So then I was like, oh shit. Now I'm like, I just sit by the phone waiting for it to ring. I was like, how am I an actor? I've been acted in six, eight months. I'm sitting here like a fucking doorknob. I'm not right. And all my credits now, everything was like, you haven't done anything in this many years. Like, how are you a writer? You haven't, and all my Canadian credits didn't really transfer here. Nobody knew any of the shows, nobody gave a shit. And uh, so all of a sudden I was at nothing. 
And I'm like, I need to take control of my career. I need to make a change. And I just made a conscious decision. I said, when was I most in control of my life and my career? And I was like, it was when I was doing stand-up because I can do it every night of the week if I want to do it. And I can, when I say I'm a stand-up, I am because I just, when when, when did you do it last? How many hours has it been? Right. I do it every, almost every night. Yeah, you do. And it's several shows sometimes per night. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'd have fit in, you know, at least five shows. It might only be over three or four nights, but, you know, I try to fit in as much as I can. It's so amazing. Then I can say I'm a stand-up and I am doing stand-up. Otherwise, I'm saying I'm an actor, but I'm like, you could go a year without acting. So I'm like, how am I an actor? So I just got rid of every everybody and I just, you know, put my ego away and started all over again as if I was brand new at stand-up. I took a class. Mm-hmm. I started open mics and I mm-hmm. then started building back up again uh, from from square one. So that it's that I had to Really? It really, really is. And I think that people in fan base, fan bases love to see anyone kind of, and, and it, you know, have to go back. You know, it's have, not that and, they want to see you fail, but I think fan base, and this is they, one they, thing they, I learned, they, they want to see vulnerability. They, yeah, it they makes you approachable. And struggle. Like, yes. Nobody wants um, to see somebody overnight success on TikTok and they just like posted a video and then they made it. You know, they want... Or I do because <laughs> <of> I struggled. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that for anybody either. Yeah. <laughs> I slept in my car. You're going to sleep in your car. But I think there's a lot of, I mean, I feel like that's how the industry's gone with all of these um, competition and reality shows where people now think you just get on American Idol and then you're famous. And that's how it happens. Sarah's got a friend in New York who says to her things like, why don't you just call Adam oh, Sandler? He'll help oh, you, won't he? Yeah, yeah. The number of times people are like, you know what you should do? You should go on Ellen. Right. <laughs> and I was like, what? They're like, yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, why hadn't I thought? Right, they they have no clue. Well, Thank you so much. They have no idea. I'm gonna call her tomorrow. That's it. I'm gonna call Ellen tomorrow. I heard from people for so many years. You really need to be on Law and Order. You yeah. and I'm living yeah. in L.A. Yeah. I'm like, you understand it doesn't shoot here. That yeah. I got. I'm, this is a true story. I got so sick and tired of hearing that. I gave up my dirt cheap West Hollywood apartment and moved back to New York so I could try to get on Law and Order. <laughs> Truth. It's ridiculous. I know. They have no green. No, people outside of the, they don't get it. They don't. They, don't get they think it. it's so easy. Hey, this guy's on there. How come you're not on there? Even Why don't you own people? Business or adjacent to the business, you know somebody in the business. They're still like dumbfounded with how little I get paid. Doing stand up. No, yes. It used to be way better. You know, because you're on stage with these huge names and these uh, huge clubs, like the most renowned comedy clubs in the world, not just the country, in the world, because you you pretty much are an international comedian at this point, going back to, you know, Canada. Yes. And I I, I can say that because I perform whenever I'm. Out of the country. Yes, yes. And it's probably no problem for you. Yeah, you did Japan. And I've done Spain and Germany. And I'm going to Holland in November to entertain the troops for a moment. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't mean I'm internationally known. (laughs) It means that I can perform internationally. Internationally work your ass off. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you're doing it and you're getting the spots and opportunities. And yeah, I just, yeah, I feel like, yeah. 
sometimes you wonder if you're like on a, a wheel and you're like, is this actually going anywhere or am I just doing the same? I think everyone feels yeah. But I want to talk about, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say I'm trying to figure out what the next step is. But go ahead. <laughs> I want to talk about your contribution. You were such a huge contribution to the comedy world here in L.A. because you teach. You do. Yeah. And I can just say as a as an innocent bystander, <laughs> um, I'm a producer as well as uh, a stand-up. And whenever I have a student of yours cold open, because yeah. I always, you know, yeah. ask you if you can send some cold opens my way for your students. They are the most professional. Mm-hmm. They know where to put the mic stand. Mm-hmm. They check in with the host. They know, like, they understand etiquette and they're funny and their jokes land. So these are your students. So yeah, t- and and no one else's students. Like I gotta say, yeah. it's you. Yeah. So tell us about that that journey. <sighs> Um, that makes me really proud. Um, I do love teaching. Um, I think I, I often worry that I'm a better teacher than I am stand up myself. Um, I hope that's not true. But I, it's easier for me to to help somebody else. It's always easier to help right. somebody else than it is to help yeah, yourself. You, yeah. And that's the. And I'm really, I'm. It's one thing that I'm confident at. I'm good at that. You're very, you're a very effective comedy teacher. Yeah, I can. I, yeah, it doesn't matter what level somebody is at. I, I, I mean, I teach a level one class at Flappers, and that's one of the most rewarding classes because you see people go from zero right. to five weeks later having a solid five minutes on stage. And it's just, wow. I love watching that arc, and it's mm-hmm. so fun to take people on that journey and have them trust me and just they freak out in week three and four and i'm like i got you just trust me if you trust me i'll get you there so what do you cover in that level one class what do you teach them everything i i teach them all the structure what's in a setup what's right. in a punchline how to use the two of them mm-hmm. um, formula the, the you teach the four the structure i can make anybody sound funny right <laughs> even if they're not fun. i can't make su- you can't teach comedic instinct, no. sure, and you can't teach timing. But you can teach a formula that if you say these words in this order, in this ab- technical rhythm, right. people will register it as a joke and they will laugh. Right. Um, so that's that's fun. Then I also have my own private workshops that I work with people that I actually, you know, that are at a different level. And I actually want to do this for a living. And uh yeah, and that's a different experience and it's fun. You help them punch up. I help we call them punch, it punch up. up. Yeah, sure. It's not just punch up. It's it's actually, I honestly wish I could find somebody to do to me what I do to my students. But it's taking them to a place that they never thought that they would want to go or talk about things and make them funny. And by finding out what is so unique and specific about that one person, it makes their comedy so unique to them. So A, it's hard to steal, and B, it's so personal to them and um, and unique, and you know nobody else can tell a joke about one student. He's he's Native American, and his mom was in jail, and blah blah blah, and he grew up on a reservation, and like taking all anybody can tell a joke about. I don't know if somebody tried. Oh, to it's tell a Burger King, and yeah, they didn't exactly. understand. I wanted a uh, special order. Everybody can tell that, right? But nobody can tell the joke about. It's. It's indigenous to him. It is literally indigenous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's very rewarding and it keeps my comedy brain going, having to work on things for other people. 
it's also a double-edged sword that by the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is work on my own stuff. And, oh, it, yes. you know, given all my best things to other people. Um, well, but it just shows that you are. Have you ever been either in class or a coaching session, thought of something that you were in it and went in your head, you go, oh, I know, I got to keep that. I usually get so excited and I say it. I mean, I've coached stand-ups before yeah. and I, that's, I've never been able to do that because I feel like I'm shortchanging not only them, but myself as a coach. Yeah. You know, but sometimes you're like, God, that's so good. I wish I had kept that. But you usually know? it's it's something so specific to, to them, them that it won't even work for you. So, yeah. oh, that's okay. That's true. Yeah. But I do I do enjoy it. Let's talk about like the special. Yes. Which we attended. We, we saw the taping of your special and it was super cool. Yeah, so it wasn't too long ago. Yeah. And it was like a while ago, Comic Sutra, the Comic Sutra with a K. And it's also in an album on iTunes and Sirius. And congratulations, number one. Number yeah. one, yeah. Billy. It was. Um, yeah. It's slipped since then, but it's fine. It was for a couple days and it was lovely to see. Right. Um, uh, yeah, the special, I don't, I just... You inspired me to do the special because you did yours. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I should, you were like, why are you not doing one? And I was like, oh, no, Red. You must either. say that to everybody. That's how I got mine done. She was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I know. you got it. You should do special. No, you yeah, inspired me to do it. it. And then, you know, I was terrified. We need to immortalize our work. You right. know, I agree. What tomorrow brings. So let's. And I couldn't be more grateful that I did because it's material that I can't keep doing. It's timely. It forces you Everything to have to write new stuff. It may, yeah. and I'm in a horrible place now having to do that. But temporary, but it will pass. And that was all about trying to have a kid. And that, like, it gets to a point where it's like, I'm too old for this joke to be believable. You know, <laughs> you've been with your, you've been with your darling hubby, Dave, mm -hmm. who we like very much, and he's. You've been married for how many years? Well, that's, as you know, very hard to answer. Um, <laughs> you you're, you're the Richard Burton and... And, uh, and Elizabeth Taylor of Donnelly. Yes, because yes. you, you married, married divorce before, but uh, we've been together for 18 years. Um, and then, yes, I remarried. Yeah. And got remarried. I just yeah. think that's so romantic. I, yeah. I, I think it. it's really bomb. Yeah. Love, 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 love. <laughs> so you've been to, yeah. you know, so... So, so we he got a long time, and, and and he is also, uh, well, he does sketch comedy, correct, or has in the past. Oh, he was an actor. Okay, yeah, he's done some sketches. Yeah, Your joke is very good, by the way, about when I met my husband. He was an actor. And and I was like, oh, we both can't actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a great yeah. joke, by the way. Yeah, right? and I think really my like husband's a real estate agent. Well, he was an actor when I met him, but I was like, <laughs> now he's acting. Real estate. We can't both have It's such a good joke. Yeah, but he always introduces himself. He's funny on his own, I guess. But like, he likes to be like, "I'm the, uh, she's the comedian, and I'm the funny one." Oh, <laughs> like, oh. I don't have it. yeah. When yeah. we're out, I'm like, "You do the jokes. I, I'm fine." <laughs> I don't see these people paying me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I played five hundred people laugh last night. I'm good. You can make this room full of five. <laughs> They're yours. <laughs> you know, that's. But our comedy, it just, it really. It captures that stage yes. of life. It does. And that's, you know, so so now it's going to go to a different yes. stage. I know. And I'm yes. trying to find out that stage. That was such a journey for us trying to have kids that mm -hmm. it was like one chapter, right? And now I can't, it's like feels weird to read that chapter again. 
when I'm not there now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel authentic anymore. Yes. And everything we say up there mm. is true. Yeah. You want a big laugh. But, you know, right. then that, I, I, in some ways, I'm envious of those comedians that have been doing the same jokes for 20 years. I'm like, it still works. Well, yeah. here's the thing. And here's the thing. When I started, there was no internet. Right, like, right, 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 right. So I was working with guys on the road, and I started going on the road two years in, mm-hmm. and I just became a full-time stand-up comedian at 22 years old. Like, mm-hmm. that was my job, and I was running around the country, and I'm landing in airports going, I'm 24 years old, and I'm like, look at me. And these guys who I'm working with, you work with them like twice a year, year after year, and they're doing the same freaking act. Yeah. Year yeah. after year. Yeah. After year. I knew lots of those. It didn't matter. No. It didn't matter. There's something nice about having evergreen material, I guess, but then how truthful and authentic is it to you? Yeah, Electrically enjoying that. Yeah. yeah. Every single one of those comics yeah. that I've met and got to know, they're unhappy. Well, I, I think every comic is unhappy. On some level. <laughs> I don't know anybody that's like, I am completely together. I am like, <laughs> together. I am whole, perfect, and complete. I don't know. No, I'm doing material now about being engaged, and I got to be honest with you. Not so fucking happy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He does. He does. He's like material. Like, it's kind of fun for us because, you know, uh, I can predict. He's cool with whatever I say. Oh, on, you know, it's so important to have that it's partner. important to have Yeah. That. And I yeah. think Dave, oh, yeah. or hubby, has that with you. Like, he does. Like, we're there. He's great. We were, we were yeah. actually doing a show at the Improv one mm-hmm. night. I'm kidding. This is a true freaking story. Sarah went on stage and did a bit about me. Mm-hmm. I There was no warning. I didn't know. I'd never heard these jokes before. And all of a sudden, there she is doing a bit about, oh, my fiance is a wine collector. And mm-hmm. she started talking. I know that joke. And I was yeah. like, where did this come from? I, I never, never knew you were doing that. It's almost part of the fun. And yeah. it was just like, <laughs> you know, ta-da. So let's um, let's talk about where everyone can find your special. Yes. You've got the the album and where we are with that because it was magical. It was a magical night. Thank you. Let's let's talk more about the special before we okay. we we wrap really quickly. But I because oh. it was I, I just was entranced with the stage and the side. You got so we I, we were just mm. talking about this the other night actually. Um, I, people should know the three of us actually did a show together. At a performing arts center. Oh, yeah, last, we did. Sat- yeah, last yeah. Saturday night. That was really fun, actually. That was a lot of fun. I was three. We had yeah. such a good time. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> so, but we were having a conversation about it, and you got so lucky for you on your special, oh, special. because you, yeah. you taped your special at this wonderful theater called the Gary Marshall Theater, yeah. which um, does mostly. You know, they do, uh, you know, theater stuff. Mm-hmm. And you got to do your special on the existing set that was there. Well, that's why I, I rented it. Yeah. And the set was all 1970s yeah. with this really cool so vibe. You. And it was it so was... you and your clothes, man. Like, it was just, it was really awesome. It was, it was like perfect synchronicity because I had lost another theater um, because all of a sudden they went back to these like really strict COVID protocols. Everyone has to be in masks, including performers. And I was like, I keep not doing a special with a mask on. Right. And uh, so I finally found this other theater, and it was a it was a black box theater when I walk, or it was all black when I walked in. But they said, oh, it won't be available till November because we've got another show. You won't want it till December. We've got the show going in. And I was like, I really don't want to wait that long. I said, what kind of show? They're like, trust me, you don't want it. It's like a 70s disco. And I was like, 
Ta-da. Go on. <laughs> I was like, my show is called The Comic Sutra. Continue. And they're like, no, no, no. There's going to be like these rainbow lines painted on the stage. And I was like, you mean like my merch? Like I pulled out my hat and like yes. my logo. It was the identical. Exact- Thing. It, it was identical. Yes, and I and I was just like, it was the universe being like, ta-da! Here you go. After all the theaters that you've gone through, this is meant to be. And I was like, and where do I sign? <laughs> um, they hadn't even built the set yet. They're like, well, you know, once we start designing it, we'll send you, um, you know, mock-ups and things like that. And you can see. And I was like, I'm already in. I already know. Uh, but they did, and the more and more they sent, I was like, this couldn't be more perfect. And, you know, we had to clear out stuff and it wasn't 100% what they had. They had all furnished, you know, it was all set decked for theirs. But yeah, just having to see minor. No, it, yes. it literally looked like a television studio set for the Flip Wilson show. Yeah. Yeah, like you could not have scored a better look. It, it looked like a set built for Renee. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I and we just was, built everything like, around it. It took my breath away when yeah. I walked in. I was like, oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. Yeah, that worked out really well. So, yes, uh, production value-wise, looks amazing. Yeah, production value is amazing. And he had a great director. Yes. Oh, man, she was the director of Ellen. I mean, mm-hmm. she's... Uh, and yet you couldn't get on the show? And I couldn't get on the show. Why did you need to call Ellen? I you could, just, now I could. <laughs> Honey, listen, you want to get famous, I do know. Ellen. Well, <laughs> the only reason I got her director was because Ellen had ended. This. Right. Now she was available. And she was fantastic. Her name's Suzanne Luna. She's just brilliant and wonderful and most encouraging, incredible director. I actually had another director first who was amazing as well. Director of Mad TV for ten years, a comedy genius, just loved this man. Begged him to do it. He was like, "Sure," and I was like, "Okay." And then I met Suzanne, and I was like, "Oh God!" And he goes, "Are you firing me from a free gig?" And I was like, <laughs> "Just really, it was awful. It was awful." Uh, no, I'll pay you to fire you. you. Know, <laughs> more of a connection with Suzanne. That's how it is. So it's done. It felt like he was doing me a favor. He was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I think you're great. I'll, I'll do it." But she was like. In like she was like I've ideas and we're gonna do this and this and she was like involved and uh, I I I needed that for my first special right. producing yes. it doing it as a call by myself I just like yes, oh. I mean I had one amazing dancer too the three of us did this thing together but it's just you know how it is doing your own sp- it's a lot of work. it's a lot of pressure oh god it's a lot of pressure and a lot of money and a lot of pressure and a lot of work yes. it looked amazing. The set design was there, so you didn't have to worry about anything but performing, and it went off without Yes. I wouldn't say I had nothing to worry about. That's the difference of at our level versus when you Netflix is doing it for you, and right. you literally show up and do your set, and that's all you have to worry about. Right. No, when you're producing, you're worrying about every PA, but over time paying, da, 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 you are dealing with every single detail yep. of it. Other And the, the, the comedy is the last part, unfortunately. Yeah, that's totally true. It shouldn't be, but it's, you know, you have to do all the other things. I remember it like it's like just hours before you were texting me about a makeup artist. Yeah. My makeup artist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She flaked the mm-hmm. yeah, hours before yeah, something like amazing. Make it amazing. Yeah. So didn't you book the time out? What do you mean? He was driving back from somewhere and her car broke down and I don't know. Yeah. So the actual special is still in the works, but the album yeah, the album is the least. Out is on iTunes. It's on mm-hmm. Sirius. Sirius. Accessible. 
Spotify, wherever you get your music, mm-hmm. it's there. Well, I'm a, I love Sirius. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, I'm very excited Sirius. that you just started. Uh, it's on Sirius XM in Canada and mm-hmm. on Just for Live. I know it. Yeah. And that's, all, that's on, yeah, I just got approved for Sirius XM here. And it's going to be on Raw Dog. And she's so funny. Um, yeah, which is great. And it will, the special will be available on Amazon in November and hopefully other places. How wonderful. Yeah. Marvelous. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And you had um, wine at, at the special, which made it good. Yes. Wine meets everything. Please, great. Just all of your supporters. And it was just, yeah. And out of yeah, you had a full, what, how many, what capacity? One, one twenty. Yeah. But twice. Yeah. yeah. And you filled the realm, you filled the realm of Sprinty Percy. And where, where can everyone find you? Um, find me on Instagram, uh, Renee Percy Comedian, or my website, ReneePercy.com. And, uh, yeah, stay in touch. Stay in touch. I hate that it took this long to get you on the show. Yeah, right. I don't know. Talk about it. Yeah, we talked yeah. about it. Yeah, talked about it. Sometimes like impromptu, and then I just yeah, you know, reach out to her last minute, and because sometimes that works best. All of a sudden, the other night, I was like, "It's why we're friends." We need to do a podcast <laughs> for Monday. Oh yeah, who can we get last? Minute? It wasn't even about that. We just no, have been no, so busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right this way, you know. And I, I literally said to her, "Has Renee ever done the show?" Mm-hmm. She was like, "Oh my god, no." <laughs> And that was that. Like, it was that easy. I'm honored to have you. I'm honored to be here. Likewise. I'm glad that you and I have grown into becoming friends. We have grown into it. (laughs) It was a strut. It was was working. But we love hanging out with you and David, and we want to do more of that for sure. Yes. We will. Uh, Yeah, Renee Percy, comedian on all socials. And check out her album. And stay tuned for her special. The Comic Sutra. On Amazon and where, you know, and who knows where else. Thank you, guys. I'm, uh, thank you so much for Thank you so show. much for being here. Proud that you're Absolutely. here. Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in to Drinking During Business Hours. The day.